0: Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker.
1: Let's start here in Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. We've read this chapter about 300 times in this series. So if you don't know this verse, these verses yet, then you haven't been paying attention, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, so Ephesians chapter six. Starting in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The first thing I want to point out here is a lot of times people, when they preach about this particular passage, they refer to the Roman armor, right? And where the Roman armor may be the analogy, we're not talking about a Roman garb. We're talking about the armor of God, amen? This isn't the Roman armor. This is the armor that God has to give us, amen? This isn't Saul's armor. This is the armor of God. Here we go. So, if, uh, so where was I? Uh, verse 15, or oh, I'm sorry, verse 13, or whatever verse. Yeah, <laughs> verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's where we're going to stop here this morning. The armor of God. The first one I want to talk about this morning is the breastplate of righteousness. Proverbs 4 verse 23 tells us that above all, it says above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The breastplate and the armor. What is this primary job? To guard the vital organs, correct? And so God is telling us, guard your vital organs. Guard your heart with righteousness. With righteousness. What is righteousness? We've preached on righteousness a lot here at the church. Righteousness comes from the Greek word dikeosune. And it literally means the state of him as he ought to be. The state of him as he ought to be. So what is it telling us? It says to guard your hearts. With the revelation of righteousness. So everything you do flows from the place of you as you ought to be. Guard your heart with righteousness. So that everything you do flows from the place of as you ought to be. 1 John chapter 3 verse 20 through 21 says, "For, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. I want you to notice something here. What does it say condemns us? Our hearts, right? It's not the Father that condemns us. It's our own hearts. It's our own ideologies about ourselves that condemns us. The Bible tells us that, that it's our heart that condemns us. But then it says, but if What does it say there at the end? It says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness that you are, the revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you come into that revelation of you as you ought to be, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it gives you confidence to walk in that righteousness. But when we allow our own hearts to condemn us, it steals that confidence away and we walk around defeated and we walk around broken. But when we realize that it's not the father that condemns us, he's the one who calls us righteous. Amen. We have confidence to walk. So righteousness gives us confidence towards God. The next one is the shield of faith. That word shield is the Greek word. I, when I see this word, I always want to say Thanos, but it's not Thanos it's Thrios." thorios, and it's, 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 it's a specific shield. This word is, is describing the shield it's talking about is, is actually a door sized shield. Can you imagine carrying around a shield the size of a door, right? It's going to take a strong man or woman to be able to carry a shield the size of the door. I think Ryan Patterson could pull it off, but the rest of us may struggle carrying a door size shield. I don't know. It's a door size shield. It covers your entire being, right? Covers your entire being. What does the shield of faith say? The shield of faith is saying this. You are invincible. You are invincible. How do I know that? No weapon formed against you Will be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in accusation is condemned. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near your dwelling. The shield of faith. What is it saying? It's saying that you are actually invincible from the fiery darts of the enemy. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the darkness, uh, or nor of the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. But a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near your dwelling. What does the shield of faith tell us? The shield of faith tells us that through faith you are invincible. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen? The shield of faith. The next one, the helmet of salvation. We begin to think about salvation the way God does. To, po- to the point, we begin seeing ourselves the way God does. Let me say it again. We begin thinking about salvation the way God does. To the point, we begin seeing ourselves the way God does. Psalm 62 truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. That when we have the right thinking about salvation, there is rest for our minds. How many of you have found yourself in a place of turmoil and anxiety and stress? And your mind is constantly turning that when we begin thinking rightly about salvation, there is a place of rest for us. Amen. There's a place of rest. Titus. We don't have too many good Titus verses, do we? Titus, I mean, all of Titus is good. That does sound right. The Bible's all awesome. It's all good. Titus verse 3 or chapter 3, verse 4 and 7. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, this is this is how God thinks about salvation. Listen, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When we begin wallowing in our sins and our failures, we put on the helmet of salvation. When we begin feeling insignificant, we put on the helmet of salvation. When we feel powerless, we put on the helmet of salvation because the helmet of salvation reminds us that the old man is dead. And behold, a new man has come to, know, come to life. Salvation, we have to begin thinking about salvation the way he thinks about salvation. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sins and our failures like we do. He sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He sees a a person who is without blemish or spot or wrinkle, just as his son is without blemish or spot or wrinkle. And we begin changing the way we think when we put on the helmet of salvation and begin thinking about salvation the way God does. Amen? When your head is wrapped in salvation and your vitals are covered in righteousness, And you are invincible, carrying around the shield of faith. Now you have permission to walk in the peace of the gospel. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. John chapter 14 says, peace, this is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Then verse in Philippians verse chapter 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace. His kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Isaiah tells us that the increase to the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Isn't it amazing that we're talking about warfare, right? The scripture in Ephesians is talking about armor, which you need to go into battle. And one of the pieces of armor is peace. It's peace. Meaning this, we don't, Fight our wars the same way the world fights their wars. We don't fight our battles the same way the world fights their battles. When we fight our battles, we fight them in peace. Understanding who we are. Do you know what position the Father takes in war? Right here. He fights from a seated position of authority and power. And I love that God included in our battle array, and our battle armor, peace. That we don't wage war with anxiety and fear. We don't wage war with those things. We wage war and peace. And the peace comes from the confidence of knowing who our Father is. Amen peace. All of this is held together with the reality of who we are in the belt of truth. The reality of who we are and the victory we have in Jesus Christ. His truth, as it says in Psalms 91, his truth is our shield and our buckler. It's all brought together in truth. There's the, I talked about the scripture uh, not too long ago. That you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That word truth is the word reality. That you shall know the reality of the situation. And that though the situation looks dark in the natural, the reality is that heaven has an answer for every situation. And the belt of truth, when we come into that understanding of who we are in him and who he is, it holds all of it together. And we can fight our battles knowing the reality of who he is and who we are. Amen. All right. We got through them all. There's so much more we could expound on, on all of those. But I want to spend some time here with the sword of the spirit. It says, take up the sword of the spirit. And it tells us exactly what the sword of the spirit is. It's the word of God. I want you to notice something too. Every other piece of armor deals with the revelation of your identity and your position in Christ. The helmet of salvation. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Then you have the breastplate of righteousness, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the shield of faith. He is your shield and your buckler. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. The shoes of the gospel of peace. He tells us that it's his peace that he leaves with us, not as the world gives. Then we have the belt of truth that we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. But then we have this sword of the spirit, the only weapon given in the armor, the sword of the spirit, the only weapon presented to us in the armor, the sword of the spirit says is the word of God. Here's what I want you to see, though. When we think of the word word, what's our immediate thought? The Bible, right? The word of God. But this word word in this verse is not talking about the Logos. It's talking about the Rhema. Word of God. It's the word Rhema, which is the spoken word of God. It's the now word of God. And so, yes, we can fight with our Bibles, but there's some, there's a difference here of, of not just fighting with the written word, but fighting with the spoken word of God. What is God saying about your situation right now? What is God saying about what you're going through right now? And obviously He uses the word to do that, but it's a spoken, it's a current word. That he's saying, here's what I want to tell you. The greatest weapon you have in spiritual warfare is thus saith the Lord. The greatest weapon you have in spiritual warfare is thus saith the Lord. Amen? 1 Timothy 1 verse 18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage A good warfare. What is Paul telling Timothy? Paul is telling Timothy, listen, God has spoken to you through prophecies and through different things. Those aren't just nice words that he has given you. Use those words to wage warfare in your life. Those are the sword in your hand to wage battle and to wage war. Thus saith the Lord is the most important and the greatest weapon you have in spiritual warfare. When facing a conflict in spiritual warfare, the first thing we need to do is go to the prayer closet and get a word from the Lord. When facing any spiritual battle, the first thing we need to do is not, listen, not call your pastor. You can do that. I'm fine with that. I want you to call me. I want to agree with you. But that's not the most important thing. That you can do. It's not to call up another person or friend. Although please do that. Get support. Have somebody that can pray. That's incredibly important. The first step though. Is to go to the prayer closet. Close the door. And don't leave. Until you receive a word. From him. Don't leave. Until you receive a word. From the father. That your greatest weapon in spiritual warfare is a word from the Lord. Karen Wheaton, who is the leader of the ramp, she started the ramp and she she leads the ramp ministry down in Hamilton, Alabama, where Amber and I went to ministry school. She wrote a book, in fact, I've got it right here. And I highly, highly, highly encourage you all to get this book, Watching the Road, uh, Praying Your Prodigal Home from Karen Wheaton. This book is spiritual warfare. It's all about spiritual warfare and uh, how to walk through that. Miss Karen uh, has, has two daughters, Lauren and Lindsay. And uh, both of them are very involved in the ministry and their husbands are very involved in the ministry and the leadership there at the, at the ramp. Several years back in the, uh, I think it was 2000, around 2011. uh, Well, it was actually 2014. um, There were some things that began in 2011, but the the primary battle was there in 2014. Uh, In 2014, Lindsay and her husband Casey began experiencing some marital problems. And what, what was happening was Lindsay had been enticed with this life of freedom that what she perceived, What I should say it this way, she perceived it as this life of freedom away from her kids, away from her husband. She basically wanted to, to be free from all of those things, to be able to go and just live her own life away from the ministry, away from her family. And so she began kind of distancing herself from her family and from Casey and her and her kids. And so one day, Miss Karen had... Invited her over to the house and was trying to talk some sense into her and trying to explain to her, listen, if you blow up your marriage, if you destroy your marriage, it's, it's going to cause so much pain. And Miss Karen was talking from a place of experience because she had gone through a divorce early on in her life. Um, where her husband was unfaithful, and, and so she they had split up, and so she knows the pain of divorce. And at that point in time, her kids were old enough to be able to remember that. Lauren and Lindsay were old enough to be able to remember that. So she's she's telling Lindsay, Lindsay, do you want your kids to experience what you had to experience as a young child? And so she was trying to, to just uh, talk some sense into her and trying to convince her, listen, there's a better way. There's a better way, and there, there may be some steps there for some healing, but just agree with me that you'll go on these steps of healing. And the whole time she's pouring out her heart to Lindsay, she said, Lindsay's just there, she said, with a blank face. She said it was almost like her eyes were black, and she was just completely numb. After about an hour of just trying to penetrate and trying to get Lindsay to see the truth, she finally just said, Lindsay... What's your final answer? And Lindsay just looked at her and said, I want a divorce. And stood up and walked out the door. So Miss Karen does what she does. And she immediately goes to prayer. She goes to the place of prayer. And so she, she got in her car. She drove down to the ramp, she said. And, and went into the empty sanctuary there at the ramp. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. She said she prayed there until midnight, just travailing and praying, asking God for a word. And at the end of the the night, she heard from the Lord. and And the Lord just said, you asked for Lindsay's final answer, but you didn't ask what mine was. And with that, she went home, and she said it it was was midnight by that point, so she couldn't call and tell anybody about it and talk to anybody about what the Lord had said to her. Early that next morning, about 7 a.m., she gets a phone call from her older daughter, Lauren, and she picks up the phone, and Lauren is just ecstatic. And she she says, Mom, you'll never guess what happened to me this morning. She said, I was praying for Casey and Lindsay, and I heard the Lord just say, uh, grab the Reinhard Bonkey book. There's a book, uh, that's a, a biography by, uh, Reinhard Bonnke. And she, he said, just grab that book. And I just want you to open it up and to read the first page. How many of you have ever done that before? And it didn't work out, right? Like, you're like, Oh God wants to speak to me. You open it up and you read the passage and you're like, Oh yeah, that, okay. never mind. But anyways, <laughs> she did that with this book. Uh, I am curious who else has done that and make sure I'm not alone on that. There we go. Okay, good, good. All right. So she does that with this book. She opens it up and she says, Mom, you'll never guess what the first words were. The very first words on the page was, He chooses marriage. He chooses marriage. And she has no idea what the word was Miss Karen received from the Lord the night before. But she opened the book and she's mom out of, this is a, I don't know if you've seen the Ryan hard monkey biography, but it's about that thick. It's about 600 pages long. She says of all the pages, that's the first page I open up to. And of course, Miss Karen is just like, okay, there is the word. His final answer is marriage. His final answer is for them to be together and to continue on in their covenant. So she received the word begins praying into it but a week later a week later casey pulls into miss karen's driveway and kate miss karen watches as casey sits in his car slumped over the steering wheel crying he makes his way up to the driveway opens the door and he says she's filed for divorce She's filed for a divorce. But here's the deal. A week earlier, the Lord spoke to Miss Karen and confirmed it through Lindsay that his final answer would be marriage. And immediately a week later, she files for divorce. Miss Karen has, has a decision to make in this moment. Is she going to see what's happening in the natural and believe that? Or is she going to stand on the word that comes from the God who created all of mankind and all of creation? What's she going to choose? What's happening in reality or what he said would happen? She said, later on, she was, after she had heard that they had filed for divorce, she was just sitting on her couch. And she was devastated. Devastated. She was just devastated, just thinking about the pain that her daughter was going to begin to experience. And not only she was going to experience, but she was going to take the entire family on this journey. And uh, it was going to, she was thinking about the long road that was ahead of them. She began praying to God. She said, God, in this moment of fear and in pain, I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to me. At that moment, her phone gave her a notification that she had a text message. She opens up her phone. And it was from one of her spiritual sons who works there at the ministry named Joe Reeser. And this was what the text said. Isaiah 49, verse 24 through 25. Who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of the warrior? Who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? But the Lord says, The captive of the warrior will be released. And the plunder of the tyrant will be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you. And I will save your children. But the Lord says, I have that verse in my notes here, capitalized all caps, to yell it at me. But the Lord says that in the natural, it looks like the enemy has come in and stole everything. But the Lord says, I will go to fight. I will go to battle for you against those who fight against you. And I will save your children. And this is the message she received. She said when she read this message, it was like a dead woman coming back to life. And the Lord in that moment infused her with the faith to believe that the word he spoke, that their marriage would survive, was going to come to pass. That evening she was on the road heading towards a conference she was going to speak at. When she received a message from Lindsay that said she was going to be on her way to her, her dad, her real dad and her, uh, her mother-in-law's house to stay the night, which normally would be a good thing, except for the, her dad was really in agreement with everything Lindsay was doing. And so Miss Karen began again, just worrying about what her dad was going to begin speaking into her. And she was beginning to feel anxious again and beginning to feel fearful again for her daughter And she began praying once again, God, I need you to come and to calm my fears. I need you to come and to relieve my anxieties and remind me again that you are good. Ding. Her phone goes off. And it's another text message from a spiritual daughter named Mandy. And here's what the message said. Isaiah chapter 49 (laughs) Verse 24 through 25, who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of the warrior? Who can demand that a tyrant be let or let his captives go? But the Lord says, the captive of the warrior will be released and the plunder of the tyrant will be retrieved for I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children. The exact same scripture twice in one day from two different people who had no idea Had no idea she was crying out for a word. She writes in her book that she was almost breathless when she saw it. The same word twice in one day from two different people. I want to read you a quote here from from the book. Um, After she received this text message, she said this In the moment, in this moment of fear and struggle, my father was reminding me of his promise. It was heaven's answer that I clung to like a drowning. Uh, I misspelled whatever that word was supposed to be. It was his words, his answer that I had clung to like a life preserver in a stormed tossed sea. Once I was back on dry ground, the words of his promise became a sword in my hand. Let me say that again. Once I was back on dry ground, the words of his promise became a sword in my hand. I swung it often, declaring the power of its reality over and over and over again. That his promise, his word became a weapon in her hand to declare over her situation over and over and over again. That your greatest weapon... Church, in spiritual warfare is thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. You have, when you're in a battle, fight for a word from him. Don't leave the prayer closet. Don't leave the place of prayer until you receive a word from him about your situation. And then when you receive that word, grab a hold of it and never let it go. Never let it go. Let it be a sword in your hand. Two years of this had passed. Where Casey and Lindsay were separated. Two years of court hearings. Trying to figure out the paperwork and and all of the things uh, that go into a divorce, filing for a divorce. Two years of Miss Karen fighting with this word that she had in her hand as a sword. And two years of ups and downs. Listen, that's part of the journey, isn't it? That's part of the journey. There's going to be seasons in warfare where you feel so full of faith, you feel like you could run through a brick wall, right? And there's gonna be other times in warfare where you feel like you've just been beat up and you're afraid and you're, you're nervous and you don't know what the outcome's gonna be. And it's in those moments where you have to go back to the prayer closet and ask the Lord to remind you once again what is the promise? What is the promise, God? I need another word. And I, I could spend a long time. I encourage you again: get the book because there is many throughout that two years of of uh, of of the separation. Throughout the two years of the separation, there are many words given to Miss Karen over and over again over this situation. They just kept building and building and building and building. One of the words that was given to her in the heat of some of the worst uh, bit of conflict, when Lindsay was, was at her most hateful place and it looked like there was a completely impossible, the Lord gave Miss Karen a word that she would have a grandson by this time next year. Now, it looked completely impossible in the natural, but that was the word that she would have a grandson at this time next year. And she kept getting word and word and word over and over because she kept pressing in, in the midst of the conflict. Two years of the conflict. Two years of the conflict. And then one day, Miss Karen woke up, did her normal routine, went to her window And was looking out her window. She lives in a valley. Beautiful, beautiful landscape there in Alabama. And as she was looking out her window like she does every morning, she saw a little white car that looked like Lindsay's coming down her road. The car came down her road. It pulled into the driveway. She saw her daughter get out of the car. And she said she looked completely different than she had these past two years I've I've seen her. She looked like the joy-filled young lady that she remembered before all of this took place. She walks up, Miss Karen greets her at the door, and Lindsay just hands her her phone and says, I want you to read this email that I just sent to Casey. And the email said, Casey, I've made a terrible, terrible mistake. She said, I miss you and I want to come home and Miss Karen says that inside she wanted to just start screaming from the rooftops and dancing in the yard and doing all the things but she held it all in trying to trying to you know keep it good for her daughter she's like oh hey honey that's great you know but inside she's like freaking out you know and then there was this three-day process where she, Lindsay was restored first to her family, her, her sister and her mom and her, her stepdad and all of them. And then the next day she met with Casey and was restored. Their marriage was completely restored. And all of it, the whole situation was completely restored. And Miss Karen goes back and says, the final answer came to pass. His answer was marriage. And that is exactly what happened. But she never let go of the promise. She never let go of the promise. And guess what? On exactly a year to the day, she received the promise about her holding a son in her arms. Casey and Lindsay gave birth to their son, Asher. To the day she received the word from the Lord. God's word is true. God's word is true. It's a weapon in your hand. Amen. There's a couple of things I want to share from this and then we'll close out the service. This testimony of Casey and Lindsay and that Miss Karen gives in this book, this testimony is powerful. Amen. It's powerful and it's good. And a testimony is, the Bible tells us that the the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? So because he did it for her, you know that he can do it for you. But here's what I wanna say. As powerful as the testimony is and as encouraging as it is, her testimony and her word can't be your word. You have to go to the Lord and receive your own word for your situation too many times I see people rely on somebody else's word to uh to fight with with their situation and I'm telling you the sword feels awkward when it's somebody else's word it has to be your word so you have to go to the prayer closet You can use someone else's testimony as an encouragement. You can use someone else's testimony uh, to let you know that it can happen for you. But you have to go to the prayer closet. You have to seek the Lord and you have to hear his voice. You have to have your own word to fight with. Amen. You have to hear from God. He may restore you, but it may look completely different than the way he restored somebody else. He may restore your marriage, but it may look completely different than the way he did it with Casey and Lindsay. He may heal you, he may heal your body, but it may look completely different than the way he healed somebody else's body. You have to get your own word from the Father, amen? He will provide for you, but you have to get your own word from the Father. The second thing I want you to see in this story, is that Miss Karen was not passively fighting. She didn't go to prayer that one night at the ramp and then never go to the place of prayer again. She was consistent in her prayer. You cannot fight a battle with one prayer meeting, amen? It was not a one-time prayer meeting. It was hours, days, weeks, and even years of praying and interceding. It was believing. (laughs) It was believing when everything looked absolutely hopeless that his word was still true. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible where Lazarus dies. Here's, Here's what the fight looks like it's hearing from his lips that Lazarus is going to live and then watching him die in front of your eyes and still saying, God, even still. Even still, even though I'm looking at the corpse of Lazarus, even though he's been buried and dead for four days, even still, whatever you say will happen. That's what it looks like in battle, in spiritual warfare. When you receive a word from the Lord, it's not a one-time prayer meeting. It's not just a, oh, I tried, and I guess it's not going to happen. No, it's even when Lazarus dies, you continue believing the word. You continue believing the word. You know, about this story, it was a two-year process that all of this happened. The week that she came home, The divorce papers, they had their last hearing. All of the paperwork had been reworked and edited and it was finally all finished. Literally, they were one step away from the divorce. All they had to do was sign the paperwork. Lazarus was dead. Casey tells part of the story. He said that the, the night before she comes home, he said he had to take the kids To Lindsay for her weekend he had uh, and this time was different when she was in the transition of the kids this time it wasn't just her that pulled up it was her and her new boyfriend and he had to take his kids and put them in the back of this this man's car that he didn't know and he said he called uh, mr. Rick who is miss Karen's husband he called him that night and said listen it's over it's done Lazarus was dead Lazarus was dead. And Miss Karen says that that night that all of that took place, the night before Lindsay comes home, she said she got in her car and she drove away. She found a quiet spot and began just crying out to the Father. God, what is going on? God, how can you do this? And he, she said, you know, I was, I was a little bit angry at God. God, you promised me this. You promised that their, 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 uh, that their marriage would be restored. Yet I'm looking I had a dead Lazarus in front of me. It's hopeless. And then she heard the voice of the father once again. And the voice of the father told her, she, he said, say this out loud, Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. So she's like, so I quietly and begrudgingly said, okay, Casey and Lindsay are getting back together. She said, when I first said it, it Felt like a lie. Felt like it wasn't true. Then she said, No, no. I heard the voice say, No, no. Say it again. She said, Casey and Lindsay are getting back together. Say it again. Casey and Lindsay are getting back together. By the time she was done in this back and forth moment with God, she was declaring Casey and Lindsay are getting back together. She was looking in the tomb of Lazarus and saying, Casey and Lindsay are getting back together. She began picking up her phone. She said it by this time. She apparently prays a lot at midnight because she said it was midnight again. She began, she picks up her phone and she said, I can't actually call anybody, but I felt like I needed to do this. So she faked calling somebody. She faked dialed and she said, Hey, I don't know if you guys heard this great news Casey and Lindsay they're getting back together yeah we're excited she said she felt faked hung up the phone and called somebody else and said hey guess what you'll never believe it Casey and Lindsay are getting back together Lazarus is dead but even still even still your word is true and the next morning Lindsay comes driving down the road I don't know where you're at in your life right now. There's different people in different situations going through different battles and different struggles. But I want to encourage you something today. That even when Lazarus is dead, even still, all it takes is a word from his mouth and Lazarus could come back to life. Lazarus can come back to life. Go to your prayer closets. Go to that place of prayer. And don't leave until you have a word from God. And when you receive that word, don't use that sword passively, don't take that word as that, that sword and set it on your mantle to display and go, awesome. I've got this word. Great. And then never pick it up and yield it again. Take that word as a weapon in your hand and go to the Lord daily in prayer go to the place of prayer daily and swing that weapon. Declare it often. Declare it as often as you possibly can. And when when that weapon begins to get heavy and you need another word from God, then you go back and say, God, I need another word from you. And you receive another word from him and use it as a weapon in your hand. And when that weapon gets heavy, you go back to the prayer closet. You get another word from him and you never stop. Until you see his promise come to pass. You never stop when Lazarus dies and when he's been in the grave for days on end. Do not stop believing the word he has given you because his word is true. His final answer is yes. The world may be giving you their final answer. Your situation may be giving you their final answer. But have you asked him for his final answer? Have you asked him for his final answer. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Jesus. I want to encourage you today. He has a word for your situation. He has something to say about what you're going through. He has something to say about what you're going through. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I feel led to do this this morning you're dealing with an issue, if you're in your own battle spiritually this morning, I believe the Lord wants to come and infuse you with faith this morning. He wants to hand you that door-sized shield (laughs) that declares you are invincible. He wants to place that helmet back on your head where you've been wondering and you've been questioning your identity in him and you've been been so focused on your failures that you have missed his word over you, which is you are completely restored and you are holy and blameless. And he wants to restore that helmet of salvation on you. He wants to cover your heart with the breastplate of righteousness that declares you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He wants to fit your feet with the shoes of peace and where you've been walking with anxiety and worry and turmoil, he wants to replace that with peace and love and joy. He wants to wrap you with the belt of truth, the reality of what he says is to be true. And yes, I believe he wants to give you a sword, a word from his mouth, his final answer for your situation. And so if you are dealing with an issue this morning, We don't do this real often, but I feel led to do it this morning. If you are dealing with an issue this morning and you want to have prayer this morning, then our prayer team is gonna be up here. We wanna just invite you for a moment to come up here to the front and someone from our prayer team wants to just pray with you today and allow the Lord to begin to speak and infuse you with hope and infuse you with faith and strengthen you again, that just as Miss Karen says in her book, that she became a dead woman back to life. I believe the Lord wants to bring your spirit back to life and to strengthen you this morning. And so if that's you, go ahead and come on up. We wanna pray with you as, as we're praying. Uh, Paul is gonna just sing a song. For those who don't come up, just, just uh, worship with us this morning, just engage in prayer with us this morning and then uh we'll we'll spend some time here just with the
0: lord unto god be all of the Jesus.
1: he has a word for your situation, church. Whatever you're dealing with, he has a word for it. If, uh, if you didn't come up, but you would like prayer today, I know sometimes it can be intimidating coming to the front during a service. So if you would like prayer, I'll be available after the service right up here at the front. I would love to pray with you, but I encourage you even beyond what we do here this morning, go to the prayer closet, go to the place of prayer. Matthew 6, 6 says that he dwells in that place of prayer. In the secret place of the most high. Go to the place of prayer where he is
0: and receive a
1: word from the father. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are not silent. God, in the day, our darkest days, father, God, you are not quiet. But, God, you speak and you bring light to every situation, Father. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We honor you today. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.